0: Welcome to Trine Day The Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan and today author Kent Bain, whose books include the most dangerous book in the world, 9-11 as Mass Ritual, Most Dangerous, A True Story, Blackjack, The Dawning of a New Great Age of Satan, and 2022 and The Coming of God, The End is Only the Beginning. And I am Bruce DeTorres. Kent, it's really good to have you on with me here, you know. Basically, uh, we're doing a, a podcast about Trine Day, and then also about uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, Kent, why don't you uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind.
1: would be glad to. I was the art director for the Weekly Standard magazine uh, from 1995 to 2001. Before that, I had art directed for uh, the Oxford American magazine while it was being uh, published by John Grisham. The uh, Weekly Standard magazine was published in Washington, D.C., and as it turned out, was uh, co-located with the uh, now infamous project for the new American century that most everyone has, has heard of uh, with the uh, Document they produced very shortly before uh, September 11th, 2001. I've been working with Chris at Trine Day since 2011. Uh, we've put out four books. Chris is not only a, a conspiracy expert and uh, publisher, but he's, he's also uh, fantastic to work with.
0: Well, those are some uh, kind words, uh, Kent. I want to thank you very much. I mean, I've always enjoyed uh, your books and putting together your books because. I, I Yeah, I look at the conspiracy side and then I also look at the bit of the uh, metaphysics and the uh, psychological warfare and the uh, meme warfare that is basically going on. And as, as Bruce knows, I was talking about it the other day, I, I see a lot of uh, quote-unquote fake battles where, uh, the, like I said, the powers that be give the right honest things to carry and they give the left honest things to carry. And then those things get uh, debased by having them fight each other. And it's basically a uh, a dialectic. Now, you you started looking into uh, 9-11, if I remember right, basically because uh, people were accusing PNAC of being responsible for 9-11. And if I remember correctly, you didn't think that the people at PNAC had the ability to pull off 9-11.
1: Yeah, that's accurate. and. uh, not that there weren't individuals with foreknowledge that were uh, involved with PNAC, but it was essentially a run-of-the-mill Washington think tank. And of course, some of the um, the signatories to the white paper that they produced, the famous white paper, there were some suspicious characters there, I'll put it that way. But, you know, the, the group itself, well, you know, was started by Bill Crystal and I believe Robert Kagan and Gary Schmidt was the director for a while. He he was ex CIA. But you know, they could have certainly been set up to perform a function connected with the attacks or, you know, perhaps Produce that white paper is sort of a prediction or for, you know, providing foreknowledge of, of the, the attacks, but the organization itself was, I think, relatively harmless. And I got to see it uh, you know, up close because we shared offices, and people uh, have a wide variety of opinions about Bill Kristol, but uh, he, he was a nice guy to work for. Uh, as to whether there were Bush administration officials that were involved in the planning and preparation for 9/11, I, you know, that's I think that's without question, but you know, was PNAC the beating heart of the cabal? Uh, no, it was, it was one of the uh, stage props.
0: Right. Well, uh, one thing about uh, uh, such uh, seminal events such as like the JFK assassination and 9-11, you know, events that changed the world that we lived in, uh, and everything was uh, different afterwards. You know, there's a, there's a book out uh, called uh, The Elites. One thing that it, that it, that it showed in that book was about how there hadn't been a lot of very huge national scandals, uh, like from 1850 to, or 1860 to, to 1960. There's very few big national scandals. And then all of a sudden, starting in about 1960, he started to uh, get these scandals. And the one thing that this uh, book showed is that it was almost always uh, the same players. Elite Deviance is is the name of the uh, book, and it's it's about in its uh, ninth or tenth edition. It, it's uh, used in sociology, and it's very interesting. The first couple editions are a little bit more um, telling, and there's a little bit more information in them than uh, some of the later ones. But you know, one thing about uh, these events, they they have to kind of uh, come out of nowhere. Uh, to blindside the American, uh, American public, they put the public into shock. And once you're in shock, you can be manipulated right, left, and center. And you know they, they smash the archetypes and then they bring the archetypes back up in the way that they want. And anybody who was alive and saw the uptake to the Kennedy assassination and lives today knows that we live in a completely different country a completely different social system. Now, Kent, when you started looking at 9-11, was there any, what was the first thing that when you really started looking at it, that just really made you say, there's something hinky going on here? Because did you believe, what What story did you believe when you first looked at it? Did you believe the government story?
1: I, I was completely uh, asleep, if you will, on, you know, September 11th, 2001 itself. And now, 2009, I guess I started paying attention, doing some reading and research and, and slowly uh, developed an interest and b- began encountering stories and uh, articles and you know, assertions that were so outlandish that I, I just thought there's no way that the bulk of this could be true. The, there's a majority of this has to be just made up or disinformation. And one of the reasons I you know set out to write the book Well, I didn't set out to write the book. I I set out to kind of disprove the more bizarre conspiracy theories just for my own satisfaction. And then over the course of tons of research, reading and discussions with people like yourself, ended up writing a a, a book about it. Because what in fact, uh, uncovered without a background, uh, you know, an academic background, really, or any uh, previous research uh, on uh, psychological warfare, you know, occult practices. It was a it was a very steep learning curve. But as I got up to speed on all of the necessary topics, you know, I realized that there was not just a conspiracy, but it was one of the most massive conspiracies that the world has ever been confronted with. And I so I went from uh, agnostic and a, to a non-believer to uh, crafting what I refer to as the mother of all conspiracy theories. Hence uh, the title of the, the book, the most dangerous book in the world. You know, I'm still of the opinion, nine, ten years later, it was it was released in 2012. That if if people genuinely understood the scope and the scale of the uh, 9/11 event, the orchestrated event, everything that went into it, all the logistics, the arcane, occult components, they truly understood it. That would foster an awakening. That would be truly dangerous to the power elite. You know, more people are awake than they've ever been, but you know we're still a long way from the critical mass that would be needed to mount, I think, any real resistance to uh, the elite power structure. But right. you know I think we all we all do what we can uh, to resist and to help educate others, to wake to wake others up, and you know to uh, deny the the consent to the uh, to our oppressors.
0: Right now I you know I find that uh, it has been just a long time and that the uh uh, awareness that, you know, we are trying to create out there and the people is also being used uh, against that awareness. In other words, it's being used to fight what I call these fake battles. In other words, people are using information uh, such as in your book and talking about a uh, long-standing um, conspiracy and whatnot. And are, and are using that to say, well, those are the people that, are, that, are, uh, that Trump is fighting and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't see it as a, just a very much of a, a dualistic thing. I, I see it more as a, we've got quite a few operational players with lots of, lots of agendas. And these ops that do the Kennedy assassination and do 9-11, are basically um, done with what I call intelligence protocols. And so they're in, in, in intelligence, you have this thing called hijack where, you know, one intelligence service will watch another intelligence service doing an op that, you know, has some time. And, and then if they're able to figure out, okay, well, this is what they're trying to accomplish with that op. And then they go in at the last minute and hijack it. And you have, several different options here i mean of course the the first thing that you want you'd like to hijack it and make it work completely for you in 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 your agenda in your direction but you have other options you know you can just hijack it and move it to the side so that it affects other things so your book uh, the most uh, dangerous book in the world i mean one of its basic theses is, is that there was built in new york city an altar upon which to kill people in a sacrifice is that correct would you say that's one of the premises of your book absolutely What? what which what is did a,
1: it, a hard pill to swallow
0: yeah yeah what did you what did you think when when that crossed your head well you know it uh it
1: wasn't something that i you know took a few looks at you know, a few pictures and then came to that conclusion, you know, it took a quite a while before I, I realized what we were dealing with, what had been constructed and, and was able to, I think, effectively make that argument. Uh, there, there are, you know, so many elements in play uh, at ground zero at the world trade center that the average citizen uh, is not going to recognize. And so uh, just as I did, I, you know, had to uh, educate myself on, all the different components and elements the, uh, and the symbology and have this deep working knowledge of all the different components. And then once you have that knowledge and you, you know, you're aware of the, the different components, you take a step back and you realize it's a massive outdoor ceremonial sacrificial altar. And, you know, I think there are five, six chapters devoted to, to making that case. And then of course there's, there's one that kind of ties everything together and really um, drives home the point that it was, this was something that was a long time in the making. There were key symbols in the form of you know massive skysc- skyscrapers that were present, but there were other symbols, very potent occult symbols, that were also right there, not, not all at ground level, some were on the tops of other buildings. And then you also have to look uh, a little bit further out with the, to the Statue of Liberty, that you know, it's, and, uh, some would, would argue Lucifer in disguise, but people have made the case that Lady Liberty has multiple identities, but I think one of them certainly could be seen as, as being that of Lucifer. But so you've got the massive ceremonial complex overseen by Lucifer. Light bear. Yes. And so, you know, again, it's uh, when we talk about these things casually, for the uninitiated or those who haven't read the book— it it really sounds fanciful, sounds far fetched. It you know, that's why I kind of make fun of it in a way by saying some mother of all conspiracy theories, because it goes beyond way, way beyond the uh traditional Bush administration was involved with nine eleven tact. You know, th- that theory that oh George Bush, you know, has had some foreknowledge of the events and let it occur, or, you know, Dick Cheney ordered a stand down of this and that. I mean, this goes so far beyond sort of that level one conspiratorial uh, conjecture that you have to just dive down multiple layers or levels beneath that uh, you know what I tried to do in the book was was guide readers through that maze so that they understood what they were looking at, why it was there, what it symbolized, and what was accomplished and then you know I think at some point in the, the book you know I don't just talk about there being a massive ceremonial complex but overall on the date of 9 eleven that if you take All of the symbols, all of the the locations, all of the the things that were invoked on that day, there were just so many different uh, elements that had occult significance. There could have well been some magical, you know, working taking place, uh, a spell being cast on the nation that we could be under the influence of to uh, this very day.
0: Right, right. Well, it you know I mean one reason I you know I, I enjoyed your book was because it you know it comported with uh, my understanding of the uh, secret societal system, uh, um, the Order of Skull and Bones, uh, the Brotherhood of Death. You look at them and they're they're very much uh, using occult practices within uh, their lodge. And you know I mean the JFK assassination has been you know looked at a lot as as the occult thing of the the killing of the king and you know 9-11 as far as I my understanding is the same part is a continuation of that occult ritual almost like one was the front door and and the 9-11 was the back door you might call it the, the killing of a country
1: good title for a new book
0: right secret societies and psychological warfare by uh, Michael Hoffman can you uh
1: Say a little bit about that book. Yeah, the, um, it's genius level analysis and research. Uh, and uh, just recently learned that uh, Michael Hoffman is working on a, um, a sequel to Secret Societies. that should be coming out in, in several months. But I had noted you know, the presence of any number of, of elements and had begun to put together the outline or the skeleton of an occult script for 9-11. But reading Michael Lawson's book, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, really helped me understand in detail based on prior incidents of false flags, psychological warfare that was conducted on the American public to help me really understand the true scope and scale of September 11th. And so I was, I guess you could say I was on the right track to begin with, but that really uh, helped me have a full understanding. And, and I would encourage anyone who's not read that book, to go back and read it, even though it's, I don't know what, 20 years old, Chris, oh, uh, yeah, it's no. still well worth, it. I mean, there, there's really, uh, there are not too many books that I would say that they're, they're, you read, and you feel like there's something magical going on, like, like the author was tapped into a live wire, and was, you know, communicating wisdom from beyond, but, or, or was operating on a level that most people just uh, don't ever see, but.
0: Well, he, uh, let, let, let's say he pierced the veil, and Absolutely. That's why I included part of that in uh, in Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. Now, your second book, Most Dangerous, really brought... It's a true story. Right. Because of things that happened to you. And then because you started looking at these things and you started to see how, quote unquote, you know, the powers that be use these events to continue... To quote unquote programmers. Why don't you explain a little bit about that book and what happened? Well, when I was working on the first book,
1: you know, it crossed my mind that if I have discovered what I think I've discovered, if I'm if if my assessment is correct, there might be some people that would not want this material uh, to see the light of day, or they might not be pleased that it's it's being published. Uh, at some point I kind of d- just dismissed that. I thought if this is not supposed to see the inside of a bookstore if this is not supposed to be published, it won't be published, you know it'll disappear the you know it's just not uh, worth worrying about. well, I sh- probably should have paid a little bit more attention to my intuition because there were uh, a series of things that involved my my mother and myself and my my son that took place during uh 2013. Uh, the the, uh, year following the publishing of of, uh, 9-11's Mass Ritual, and as it turned out, that same year was the 50th anniversary of the JFK assassination, and somehow I ended up being sort of tangentially mixed up or caught up in uh, a whole series of events that year. I played a a bit part in the, the script, but the series of ongoing events that took place over the full year of 2013, in which the uh, the cryptocracy, as Michael Hoffman refers to them, you know, the, the global elite, they commemorated the killing of the king in, in Dallas in 1963. Well, 50 years later, they didn't just uh, you know pop a bottle of champagne and, and recall the good times. They put on a, a whole other series of false flags. Uh, and it was there was literally a year long script for things that tied to uh, John F. Kennedy, you know, his assassination and that act as one of psychological warfare and uh, as a, a cult ritual. And so there were there were lots of things that tied back to 1963 and to Dallas. And to the uninitiated, again, probably sounds like absolute nonsense, but to those that have some familiarity with the killing of the king and, and these, these types of issues, it, it was a spectacular production. And it literally took you know an entire book to tell what they did from starting in January uh, and moving through the Boston bombings in April. And just one event after another, including acts of industrial sabotage and downed airliners and trains, you know, loaded with uh, tanker oil cars that were derailed. It was just Michael Hoffman does a good job in his book of laying out some of the incidents that took place in, in the early 80s and, and into the 90s. And so there's a, a template that, you you know, that is created that you can follow, that you can recognize. And so when... Things begin unfolding. They usually are. They, you know, seem to the average person to be completely unconnected. You know, they're they're taking place in different locations and they're of different types. But if you know the format, the recipe that the uh, elite follow, you can you can start to connect the dots. You can recognize patterns. And it was uh, actually uh, in 2013. It was fairly easy, at least for me, to start connecting those dots and seeing things taking place all over the, the United States and actually. Uh, around the globe to a, to a lesser extent that connected to this the 50th anniversary. is called the Golden Jubilee. So this was the Golden Jubilee of the Killing of the King, and it was celebrated by the global elite on a global scale. Primarily, the celebratory activities took place in the United States, but this is a mega ritual that, that most people have not heard of, I mean, everybody's heard of the JFK assassination, everybody's familiar with 9-11, but this year-long series of commemorative events in, in 2013 is far less well-known, but it was an, an absolute spectacular production, and it's hard not to be awed to a certain extent by these things, because when you realize how much planning and it, it's going into something of this nature, and, and how, how deep it is, and how Complex. The logistics would be to pull something like this off—not just the killing of a U.S. president in, in a specific location, in a specific manner, at a specific time, so that it meets the requirements of, you know, a, a cult ritual. You know, it's—you—it uh, it takes fail some planning to be impressed. Yeah. Well, you—you you, you don't want them to to—you uh, know—step over the line and, and admire it. Because, you know, people die and, it's, and these, these sorts of things are used to, you know, for great effect and to our, our detriment and, and to oppress us and manipulate us. But the creativity that goes into it is, is truly frightening.
0: Well, you know, part, part of the killing of the king ritual is to show the American people that, well, hey, you know, these people killed the president and you know it and they got away with it. And at 5 o'clock, they're clinking their glasses for happy hour. I mean, who, 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 who are you guys, you know? I mean, these are the people in control. You guys have nothing to say about it all, you know? Absolutely. And because they, they'd rather people, you know, not even participate. They, they'd rather they just go off and, and, and drink themselves to death. You know, your, your um, self-education into uh, the occult and then the memes okay, which are, are basically part of the uh, psychological warfare. They've been, mm-hmm. you know, happening forever, and they're, they're how stuff gets communicated. Being from Mississippi, uh, you've heard of Colonel Tom Parker. and Yes, sir. He uh, was out there, he had a, a, a pocket full of money, and he was, you know, promoting Elvis, and, and he says, well, you know, one way, I, I, I need to get the girls to scream, and he paid the girls, okay, to scream. And then the next concert, he was ready to pay the girls to scream again, but you know what? He didn't have to pay them. He, he <laughs> only have to pay them once. He only he only he only <laughs> had to pay them once. You know, so uh, you do have a lot of um, extemporaneous uh, stuff that uh, gets into the whole mix. You might say, you know, copycat. Well, yeah.
1: And, well, and and uh, you know, speaking of memes, speaking of Elvis. That he's one of their favorite memes. I mean, he's he's incorporated into their to their scripts, and that sounds ridiculous to some, but if you know the modus operandi of, of the characters we're talking about, I mean, they've got a wicked sense of humor. I mean, that's that's one of the predominant things that you know you found, that I've found, and, and all of these things, it's-
0: Sardonic.
1: Yeah, we, yeah, yeah they're, they're blowing things up, they're killing people, they're, You know, they're setting the stage for wars and invasions, but they have a hell of a time doing it, and they incorporate really dark, wicked humor into just about everything they do and that's one of the telltale signatures you can look for that you can identify as you're you know analyzing these things and trying to make sense of it you you start to pick up on that black humor and you you know you're probably on the right track
0: and you know it's my contention uh, you know especially my, my studying of, uh, of skull and bones because I found out that you know they don't just try and get all the quote-unquote evil people they get they you know what people who are going to be uh, advantageous to them and he- and help them. And I find that uh, they don't get everybody in on the plot. They play them into position so that uh, the people have, uh, you know, no leg to stand on. It's like in the Kennedy assassination, Lee Harvey Oswald was working out of Bobby Kennedy's office. Okay. And so these right. guys manipulated around so that Lee Harvey Oswald gets to be the assassin. I mean, what what does bobby kennedy uh, say then you know i mean it, it, it it's mm-hmm. really hard and so now your your last two books um, what's the, what's the one about uh, satan one
1: blackjack uh, blackjack
0: Jack. blackjack and the end okay now <laughs> a person might read both of those and say well now wait a minute can what what do you believe actually or, you know i mean i always tell people caveat lector don't be afraid to uh, read anything but be careful on what you believe so
1: (laughs) absolutely yeah the uh you could read both books two or three times and and still wonder what i personally believe and I, i may or may not tell you but uh i i think that uh I do, uh, you know, a fair job at taking a, a narrative approach to some uh, some uh, momentous issues and you know, kind of seeing them through to their logical conclusion. Both books uh, deal with what may prove to be the biggest mega ritual of them all, and that's uh, and you know, I think we can make a good argument that we're seeing it in action right now with COVID nineteen. If there are listeners who I think that COVID-19 just emerged out of, out of nowhere, and it's just purely a natural phenomenon. They probably should just quit listening right now because the level of staging that has gotten us to this point, the way in which COVID is being manipulated, uh, utilized to implement a grand one world order is just absolutely undeniable. Chris and I have talked a lot about this. We, we, you know, we knew something uh, momentous was on the way. But the, you know it's all pinned to the uh, shift of the great age, not a shift from one age to another, you know, from Pisces to Aquarius. We're talking about all of the ages. The great year, the grand cycle, is 26,000 years in, in length. Anybody that knows aware of the great year, they probably think that it, it ended uh, in 2012 with the Mind Doomsday Apocalypse, uh, which you know, never occurred. But um, really, if you if you do further research, the technical end of the, the great age and the shift from the current great age to the new one occurs at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, just that moment in time. And uh, I go into detail from two different perspectives in each book. The end, my fourth book, takes a bit more of a biblical approach and shows how the information that I'm covering is included in scripture. It all ties to this uh, shift of the ages, the the new great age, uh, and this has been uh, a, a time that the elite have been looking towards for hundreds if not thousands of years you know the knowledge of the great age is one of the great secrets of secret societies and it's an astronomical occurrence but there is so much that is is tied to it one of the things that chris and i look at when we're dissecting false flags and staged events the elite frequently time their rituals, their their false flag events, to auspicious occasions to when the stars are aligned in a specific way as to uh, bless their undertakings or invoke the blessings of the dark gods. And you could look at this time that, that is almost upon us, you know, you know, we're in the lead up or in the last few seconds leading up to midnight, you know, you could look at this as the mother of all auspicious occasions. If you're looking for an astronomical event, or an astrological slash astronomical event, the big one, this is a once in a 26,000 year occasion. And there's zero chance that what is happening now is coincidence, that this enormous push we have towards a global fascist dictatorship is happening right now at this very moment. Because as we approach end of 21, start 2022, we're on this fast track to global tyranny and the pieces have been put in place over the last decades and centuries they've been working towards this implementation of a one world order and the emergence of, of COVID-19 and, and a lot of the other things that are taking place right now that we would have not dreamed of, you know, that we would see in our lifetimes just just a year ago. All of these things, we we're, we're, are in the, you know, the pace is ever, uh, ever quickening and things are escalating at, a, at an incredible rate. You know, in the book, I talk about some of the history and philosophy behind what this occasion represents and why it's so important so readers can can really understand why things are happening at this moment in time and why there's such a hard push and we can we can hope for the best but it's my opinion we should all buckle up because the ride's just getting started and it's going to get bumpier and bumpier because the bottom line is you know they want a one world order a true global tyranny Well, you have to have global chaos in order to achieve that You order out of chaos. Well, they they seek to create a global order out of global chaos. And so we're going to see global, I think, going to continue to see global uh, economic impacts from COVID. And they're going to use that. and, And I'm sure other things to push us to the point of desperation where we're you know we're begging for the global elite to come in and and impose their order and, and save humanity but it's uh you know I, oh, i'm not i, I
0: I'm, in, I'm into flipping the script you know i and i do believe that there has been a uh a novel virus in here and, and i'll still listen to you uh, but I, and I think that a lot of the players have been using this uh, towards their own agenda and been uh, spreading it many different ways. Because when I look at the history of paradigm shifts, which basically uh, this 2600 uh, thing is, they're, they're, they're true paradigm shifts. And I, I wrote this in the Publishers Forward, and I, I, I believe this, that the, uh, the quintessence of creation will overwhelm and astound and subsume its critics. And I don't know, I just feel very good. And I think good things are going to happen. Because again, I, I think it's a fake fight uh, between globalists and nationalists. And I think it's being used to control us to think that, okay, these things are all bad and, and, and whatnot. Because we do live on one planet, on one ball. And I truly think that What's going to end up? I mean, these people tried to to, uh, coordinate their, quote, unquote, evil plans all the time. And Trump got elected. And then about the very next day after the inauguration, you you had the Women's World March or something like that. And I I went down to one of these here in Eugene. And I mean, it was a huge crowd of people, Okay, Now, if uh, Hillary would have won, you wouldn't have had that huge crowd of people. You know, it, it sometimes takes these types of event, okay, for the people to stand up and to realize, you know, what it is uh, for them to do. So, you know, maybe I'm just a, a, a foolish uh, person, but that's my belief and that's my understanding of of what's to be. So. Chris, where did Lee Harvey Oswald work in uh, Bobby's office? How well did Bobby know or was aware of this asset or agent Lee Harvey Oswald? Um, Lee Harvey Oswald was in Russia, right? Yeah. And, he, and he needed to get permission and money to come back to the United States. Okay, there's several people that had to sign on to the paperwork that had to get him back in. One of those main people to sign that paperwork was uh, Robert F. Kennedy as Attorney General. Well, Kent, you have any last things you want to uh, say today? Well, it has been fun, and it's it's always fun to
1: to work with you and, and visit with you. And you know, I hope that uh, this series is going to reach some uh, new folks, and that people will pick up the Tronday titles and get educated. Uh, Tronday's books were part of my self-education, so. Who knows? There might be somebody out there that's, that's listening, watching, that is a future Day author.
0: Could be. Could be. Could <laughs> be. Kent, thank you very much for your time. Onward. Amen. Onward.